Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Faithful Leaders. I'm really pleased to be joined today by Andy Street um, from, from Bristol. And uh, Andy Street, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, um, your role, and we'll, we'll kick off with the questions after that. Okay, Daniel. Gosh, uh, very, very briefly. I suppose I, I, I wear a number of hats uh, in the city. I still um, work part-time um, professionally. Uh, started uh, an environmental consultancy business about 25, 26 years ago. Um, that's grown quite a, a large global business now, but I only work a day and a half uh, in that. A lot of it's around investment, uh, into environmental technology, waste treatment technology, and so forth. So working with banks, private equity, and so forth on a global basis. That's my day job. Um, but much of my time these days is taken up working in the city. Um, I, I chair a number of charities, uh, also social enterprises, but also lead two or three uh, social investment funds in the city, Christian, but also secular. Uh, and a lot of that brings me into contact with uh, the council, Marvin Rees, our mayor, who's a Christian, many people will know that, um, and uh, and just, just working uh, across the city, and I guess trying to get the city working together more smartly, you know, whether it's business, faith community, obviously, because I'm part of that, charity sector, and council, and, and civic life, um, and uh, just trying to get the dots joined up, and I guess people sort of say, what do you do, Andy? And I often say, uh, drink a lot of coffee and join a lot of dots. And it's not that clever, but I enjoy doing it. <laughs> oh, I, I think it. I think it's quite clever, Andy. You, uh, you, you don't give yourself due credit, but nevertheless, you are one of those, uh, one of those people I come across who, um, who has a very different angle, and you, you can't describe it. It won't appear in the book occupations that um, career advisors uh, whip out. So um, that's that's very interesting. Let me let me just kind of zero in a little bit on the faith thing. So you're a person of faith yourself. Can you tell me how faith has affected your work life, how you've developed your career? I mean, any any angle on that kind of thing? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Gosh, I, I I know we've only got a few minutes, so I can't go into the into the the, the, the sort of details of it. But I was uh, uh, brought up in a Christian home. Um, my wife and I have been married, gosh, for nearly forty years now, and moved to Bristol nearly forty years ago when we got married. Um, and for much of that time, up until about 15 uh, years ago, very much heavily involved both in church leadership uh, alongside, you know, the business. Um, but then got to a point uh, 15 years ago uh, where we'd gone through a tough time. Our daughter was very ill for a number of years. And I think that really started to challenge me about the way I had presumed that life was just a series of projects, marriage, kids. You know, church life, business life, it all seemed fine. And But I, the extent to which I was trusting God in that was, was probably limited, if I'm honest. Uh, and that period of time uh, where our daughter was desperately ill uh, eventually came through it and God broke in in a remarkable way. It was a time when I revisited, I think, some of those fundamentals of my faith and the extent to which I was trusting God. And I came out of it, I guess, a very different person. And it was at that point... So I decided I need to let things go. I stood back from eldership at the church I'm part of, Woodlands Church in Bristol. I stepped back from full-time work from the board of the business I started uh, and just let some stuff go. And then I've been on a journey, I guess, over the last um, 12, 13, 14, 15 years, just rediscovering 
how important my faith is in terms of work in its right place, not that sort of identity that it had become, uh, but then the opportunity to be a Christian in the workplace, but also to be a Christian uh, and very openly a Christian within the city um, in the context of all those other sectors that, that I uh, interact with. And that's been a, an interesting journey. I'm still working progress on that one, but I've really in, enjoyed um, that sort of juxtaposition of, of the work role, but also the city role, and being able to be quite upfront about faith um, and um, probably being much more comfortable about it than I might have been, uh, you know, when I was working full time and an elder at the church, bizarrely. <laughs> it's funny how letting things go can actually open up life for you. That's very interesting. I mean, the two, two phrases I, I scribbled down there. Um, that former thing of seeing life as a series of projects. I think that's, um, yeah, that I could, I could identify that at points, but, but then this, this whole factor, and I wonder if it, it helps us swing into the, the kind of current situation, but that, that crisis going on the background caused was a kind of catalyst for, for a fairly significant change in that sense. So would, would I be right to say that that the crisis moved you on to a a better place than what you've been oh. in, or a different place, or no, no doubt about it in terms of certainly my faith, but also how I relate to other people. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it's fair to say, and I'm quite happy to say it publicly. I think I'd taken my marriage for granted. I think I'd uh, the, the the kids were great. I wasn't investing as much time in there. And I think what I had failed to do was invest time in people and in relationship. Um, and I think since then, um, a lot of the reason why I sort of connect dots across the city, and I mean this humbly, I don't mean any sort of sense of, of being proud of it. Uh, I just found that over recent years, as I've spent a lot of my time literally sitting down, getting to know people in the city over a coffee and developing relationships, um, that I can connect people because I know lots of church leaders, I know lots of business leaders, I know lots of charity leaders. And for me, that's the importance of making time for people, making more time now for my wife and the kids and the grandkids, but also making time for people in the city. Um, it develops a, uh, a, a completely different dynamic where it's about building community, it's about building relationships that, that make a difference. Um, and uh, in the context of that, um, you know, to, to have faith at the centre of it, for me, has become a game changer, absolutely. Um, and as you say, I think the same way that I learned that through, through a crisis experience and came through it, um, now we find ourselves in a completely different crisis, a global crisis, I think it's even more important that we recognize the fact that it's going to change us. It's going to change the way we do things. It's going to change us as individuals. It's going to change the city that I live in, Bristol. There's no question of it. And a lot of that actually can be good um, rather than necessarily completely negative. At the moment, there's a sense that, goodness, you know, this is going to be a game changer. The economic economy is falling apart, blah, 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 blah. But actually, there could be some good that comes out of it. And that's that's very interesting. Could could you then pick up a little bit then, maybe maybe a kind of somewhat of a description, or some of the highlights of things you see happening now in the midst of this COVID crisis, 
but maybe even treat us to a little bit of um, of a uh, Andy Street, how things could be uh, if we if we use the if we use this crisis effectively. So tell us a little bit about what's been going on and and where yeah, you're. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's in. I mean, over the last four or five years in Bristol, we've seen the city coming together um, in a more collaborative way. Uh, you know, in a church context, we talk about unity. Um, and we might refer to that well-known verse in uh, Psalms that says that where brothers dwell together in unity, that's where God commands a blessing. And I, I think I've seen real evidence of that within the city. Um, and, um, you know, we have a, mar a mayor who um, became mayor four years ago, Marvin. In fact, he sh we should have had the election um, last week. Um, yeah. Uh, for his, for his re-election or otherwise, as the case may be, that's been delayed a year. It has had all of the mayoral elections in, in, in the country have been delayed a, a year. Um, but I think that um, what we've seen during the current crisis has really been built on the foundation of collaboration and partnership, which has emerged over the last four or five years. And I'm pleased to say that church has been part of that. Church working together smarter, but a greater willingness to work with other sectors um, and not to be siloed. Um, and I think what I've noticed in uh, certainly the last seven, getting in for eight weeks now of, of lockdown, is um, an extraordinary level of willingness to collaborate and partner together. Um, and even with sectors of the, of, of the city, particularly say the, um, the hospitality sector, restaurants and cafes closing, but all of those guys, many of them coming together and saying, how can we, um, on the one hand, journey with the fact that we're potentially losing our business, but yeah. we still have skills that relate to food poverty. How can we use those and turn them into something of benefit for the city? Nobody asked them to do that. Yeah. Um, they, they literally came saying, we're going to provide a, a cooperative of 20, 25 restaurateurs. One of them, you know, the guy who leads it is a Michelin star chef. Um, and he's leading that and he's now um, created something called Bristol Food Union. Nothing to do with faith at all, right. but it's something that for me in many ways speaks to the kingdom because they're coming together and they want to serve the city. It's actually an amazing example for the church, quite, quite frankly. Right. But I've also seen, you know, that's a typical example to me of, of the, the spirit. I think a lot of people have commented on this, not just in our city, but I think across the nation. There's a spirit of, of, of kindness and generosity yeah. which seems to pervade the way that people relate to each other. Um, you know, even under pressure um, of economic downturn, loss of life and so forth, people are taking time saying, how are you doing? How's your family? You know, how's things? And just a, a huge amount of, of kindness and generosity right across the piece. Again, I'm not just talking about church here. A society um, uh, and that you know a number of people have said wouldn't it be fantastic if going forward out of this through recovery into whatever the new normal is going to be um, and I think a lot of us hope it's not just going to be pressing the reset button to where we were before you know the factory session the factory setting so to speak yeah. um, but actually sensing that we're learning to relate to each other we're learning to work together we're learning to understand and accept each other uh, with a spirit of kindness and generosity that will that will stand the test of time, and that will cement um, you know communities together um, under increasing economic pressure because we haven't seen anywhere near the real impact yet of what COVID is going to have in terms of impact on 
um, employment, economic downturn, at least for a time, yeah. we're going to need that strength of, of community um, bonding, if you will, and togetherness, which church needs to be part of, because yeah. part of this, it's not just a generosity and kindness, there needs to be some sense of hope. And over recent years in Bristol, um, we've, we've been working towards uh, something we call building Bristol as a city of hope. And there's a, there's a little plaque in um, City Hall that was put up there just a matter of three or four months ago, not, not far, not long before uh, the crisis came, that actually says Bristol, city of hope. Right. Um, and, you know, as Christians, if we aren't able to contribute to that message, that's not a, just about being hopeful, it's about being full of hope, yeah. then I think we're missing the point uh, in terms of what, 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 our, what our calling as, as people of faith is all about. That's very interesting. So, so Andy, that's, that's really interesting to us, the overview and stuff. Um, can you give us some examples, particular faith-based examples of where uh, there's been a response to the current situation? Yeah, um, I think if you, uh, one of the things we've sought to do in recent years is always be mindful of what the city's most significant needs are. Uh, and we've often gone to Marvin, the mayor, and said, look, what do you see as the key needs? Um, and at the beginning of this, it was very evident what they were, but we did ask Marvin, what do you see as the key priorities? And he said, the first thing is feeding people. You've got a, a significant issue around food poverty, increasing number of people um, you know, having issues around being able to simply put a, a meal on the table, and also family. Um, and in fact, actually, it became very um, uh, obvious early on uh, that uh, out of the 300 foster carers in the city, nearly 100 were age 65 or over. That's a crisis, that's an emergency because most of those uh, had to look at self-isolating. So we had nearly 100 children in a safe foster care environment but needing to be moved on. Uh, and the choices were stark. We either provide emergency uh, temporary foster care, uh, replacing uh, what was already there, or they were at risk of either going into care or going back to where they came from with the risk, horrific risk of being uh, open to, to abuse uh, and domestic violence. We brought a challenge to the, the city through Home for Good. We got a partnership in the city with Home for Good. Um, and uh, Chris Kandaya was involved in, in doing a little video which we share with church leaders. We do a weekly call with church leaders uh, normally about 40, 50 of them, uh, and we bring just uh, some insight as to what the key needs were. We did that six, six or seven weeks ago. In that time, we've had over 50 um, families uh, from okay. church grounds come forward to volunteer to go through uh, a two-week uh, training period, much, much shorter than it normally is, and already a number of those are now uh, in place as replacement emergency foster carers. Um, absolutely extraordinary response, which is fantastic. And I mentioned the food poverty thing. Again, it's been extraordinary to, to see the city come together and to church play a role. Uh, we already had a pretty well-established uh, response to food poverty in the city, pretty joined up and strategic. And what we've been able to do is build capacity. Um, and we've barely asked anybody. I mean, the response has been extraordinary in terms of resilience around food provision. Um, I'm involved in chairing fair share in the city uh, and we're bringing in huge amounts of food through that network, um, network of, of food banks, both Trussell Trust, but also independent food banks working as a cooperative. We've uh, put in place four or five new emergency food banks, all of them led by churches. 
really well-resourced churches and church leaders who are parking their sort of daily pastoral responsibilities and they're running a food bank and doing it incredibly well and you know bringing that sense of god's heart of love into the some of the most needy communities in the city and doing it brilliantly really well and doing it in a missional way it's fantastic so those are probably the two yeah. examples that would immediately come to mind of where church has stood up and and been counted and done really well that's interesting i i was um I was catching up with Stephen Timms, who's the chair of uh, the All-Party Parliamentary Group on Faith and Society. And he was saying what he's hearing from stories from across the country that local authorities are finding themselves going um, to churches and faith groups, but churches uh, more specifically, in response to this. Now, obviously, what you've described is a pre-existing relationship and a good kind yeah. of line of communication, but it does seem to chime that um that church and faith are standing up um in the current crisis um uh, very effectively so that's that's great to hear i think the, the thing i picked up also and i think from our other conversations we have is those issues that you talked around in terms of the fostering or the food poverty issues were pre-existing issues weren't there and and actually um what we're seeing across the country is that those those issues um may have been overshadowed to start with, with the with different kind of energy around the lockdown, but actually those those things still they they raise the top still as the ongoing yeah. issues. Yeah, they do. And I think the the one we had a I mentioned the calls with church leaders. We had one last Thursday. We had it every week yeah. on Thursday, and we had the um, head of children's services um, on that call, and also the cabinet member for families and children. And both of them were highlighting the concern they have that as we come out of lockdown, we're going to find that relationships and children who have been in a pressure cooker um, of, of lockdown are going to suddenly come out into the open. And we're going to find, to be frank, what often people are describing as a tsunami of need in yeah. terms of uh, relationship breakdown um, and uh, potentially um, increased domestic violence, child um, yeah. abuse. And I, the challenge I brought to church is, what is our response going to be? How can we appropriately um, provide support to the council? Yeah. And they're very open to that, very open to it. It's a question of how we can best do that. I'm not sure we've got the answer yet, but we're certainly sowing the seeds uh, yeah. into, um, you know, into the heads and the hearts and the souls of, of church across the city saying, come on, guys, we've, we've got to respond to this. We really do. And I think there is that, I mean, we, we've been kind of going back to one of our early phrases at Faith Action, which is faith is first in and last out. And I think yeah. what we pick up there is that the the hunger in news media for something novel will mean that attention moves off of some of these issues. But yeah. actually, as attention moves off and they, they become less less the focus of, of um, campaigning by our news media as they pick up on the latest fad, that uh, there are still needs that need to be responded to and so that kind of that longevity of service that that you're yeah. certainly seeing developed and, and go further and further in bristol is exactly what we need to see in other parts of the country yeah, yes, indeed. well that has been very interesting andy thank you so much for your time um if you're joining us today uh, there are other podcasts available um on the faith action site uh, under the title of faithful leaders 
and we're looking forward to hearing more connections. We're hoping to get Marvin Reese himself on and hearing a little bit from a, a mayor's uh, perspective. And uh, we've got more people coming up in the next little while. So thank you for listening and do uh, make contact and see what other services we've got available to you if you're listening. Thank you very much.